Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. What is the most esoteric spirit that was ever submitted to your competition? Oh, we get we get all sorts of um, very very interesting unique spirits. I mean, every year I, I, I can probably point out like three or four. It, it's now to, yeah, I would say a couple years ago, I saw one that comes to mind. It was a gin and I don't know the name of the company. It was a very cool bottle. And then we didn't even notice it because, you know, most spirits have like little uh, particles floating around some of them do and it's part of the spirit or it could be a part of like gold flakes uh all, all sorts of things and we didn't notice it and then um someone that was unboxing the the package it was actually these huge and i'm talking like maybe a half an inch size ants um that had this big abdominal like part of their body so it was like these african special ants with like white legs um, that were just floating at the bottom of this gin bottle. And uh, at first we saw like, yeah, yeah, I thought it was a, it was some ants got into the bottle, but it was a sealed bottle and that was their, that was their product. Um, kind of like uh, mezcal with, uh, with the worm, right? I'm slightly speechless, which is <laughs> podcaster. Um, I'm so glad I asked because in a million years, would I not have surmised that this type of thing even exists? So how did it score? I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> we'll, we'll, you'll have to have, you, I'll find out the name and then we'll, we do post all of our results. So all of our results every single year since our inception are on there, but I'll find out. I don't know if they were, I want to say they also probably entered the uh, design. We have a separate competition, which is the design competition, which they, if they didn't, they should have because that's totally interesting. You have a separate competition that evaluates label design and aesthetics yes. of the bottle, right? Yes, totally separate. It's done um, separately from the tasting and not every brand participates in that. Um, and it's really more for brands that are building something super unique in their bottle design, their packaging. And we've gotten some extremely, extremely interesting products from that. It's absolutely fascinating. So, first of all, if I was going to this competition and having to be at the gym table, I certainly don't want to see it. <laughs> I think I would be focusing on the ants and not, <laughs> not the flavor profile. Um, <laughs> have you noticed any trends, um, you know, both in packaging, actually, as I think about it, um, and in the spirits themselves? Like, are they categories that has been growing? in addition to the major ones that we described already. Um, I recently, just to illustrate the point, had a conversation with a bartender who I adore, and he pointed out that Clamatos is one of his favorite spirits. And I don't know much about it, but he said, you know, I wish that there was more awareness of it. It's a fabulous beverage. So that's just- What kind of spirit? Alvado. Okay. Yeah, so that's just, something that I was motivated to research as a result of this conversation. So has there been 
trends and um, you know new products that you were impressed by over the years? Tell us about that. Yeah, so every every year we have to essentially morph the categories that we have um, because there's new categories, there's a split in categories. We want to make sure that we're also kind of keeping current and relative to what's happening with the spirit world. Um, where maybe about two years ago, we, we decided to, be, to split off the gin category to four or five different subsections. Um, to because because one reason is we get so many in a particular category, we'd rather have them compete in their subset of categories. And and to that same point, um, I would say the biggest growth we're seeing, and we're actually we we actually show these uh, statistics on our website, uh, same section with all the judges statistics. Uh, the gin category has had a tremendous growth. As far as a big category um, um, cate uh, section, I would say the gin has seen maybe about a 20 to 30% growth year over year consistently. Um, we're, not, we're not seeing that slow down. Um, whiskey has been another big growth category. Um, the, and these are just off the top of my head, but your viewers can go to our website and uh, see all the statistics on everything from what what we've uh, what we've kind of gathered as, as far as stats. And by the way, I highly recommend it. I really enjoyed visiting your website. I, I'm known to frequently complain about websites that are not interesting or interactive, and, um, because the brands just don't have the bandwidth to design something that you know I think is um, really the correct and and you know great representation of who they are. But you've created just this real feast for the eyes and you know a lot of stimulating data for the mind i think your website is one of the you know best ones i've actually seen in that space so congratulations thank you thank you yeah and and, and that's really important because as you kind of see some of these newer competitions they don't really provide a lot of substance other than here's their results yeah. um and we wanted to give as much feedback and make it as transparent as possible. I think we were one of the only comp first competitions to release like pictures of our judging. And then we went into video very early on, I think 2013, 14, uh, we started doing really high level production video for these judging events to show the brands what it's like, what, what we're doing both behind the scenes and um, what the judges are, are actually kind of doing rather than yeah, you submitted your product. We're going to do it on this date. Here's your results, and you don't have you don't have any clue of who's there, what their demographic were, what what the venue even looked like, um, to kind of do your own marketing twist on it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, on the packaging side, I'm just really intrigued that you have a separate competition for the um, aesthetics and label design. Have you seen a lot of alternative? meaning alternative to bottle packaging like cans. I know it's a hot trend right now, particularly in the cocktail category, of course. So has that been happening? Yeah, we've seen boxes, we've seen cans, um, cartons, <laughs> uh, uh, even even some some that are designed like flasks, like large flasks. 
Uh, I mean, it's very creative. And obviously, the more shock value it has, the better it does in our competition. And that's kind of obvious. And we're, we're seeing that right off the bat. Um, actually, one point to that is we recently, as of last year, we introduced a, um, a, a new award, which is, the, uh, which is the Innovation Star. This is specifically designed for brands that are doing something completely unique, um, whether it's on the taste profile or the design, uh, whether the judge likes it or doesn't like it. We just want to highlight those brands in, in some sort of a platform that they're doing something totally unique. So it might be a vodka that tastes like, I don't know, wax. You know, nobody likes it, but it's like super unique. It's like, uh, I want to, I want to, <laughs> or, or a flavored vodka, I would say. Um, I, I, we want to, we want to kind of highlight those particular products, not necessarily because they're the best in the industry. It's more, this is something super unique. You've got to try. Um, or it could also be the design itself. Um, something that might not be a really modern or nice design, but it's just weird. And like, who thought, who thinks of that? Let's, let's give them an innovation star. That's really awesome. I, I love that you reward that spirit because like you said, the point is not whether or not you fall in love with it. The point is that somebody's creative and inventive and thinks out of the box and that's worth some kudos. I also love your attention to detail, particularly with respect to the judges credentials, I suppose. You even know their political affiliation. Is that one of the questions on your survey, whether you're Democrat or Republican? <laughs> we, we didn't do that. Well, let me think. Last year, I don't think we did that. This year, we may do that. And obviously, there's going to be a uh, you know mark of, of no affiliation or not, not willing to answer or something. Um, this year, we're going to be doing that. Uh, and I think it's interesting, right, to, to get, a, to get a, some sort of sense of who these judges are. It's not necessarily going to tie into any particular judge. It's just going to give you a broad sense of, of who they are. Um, and even the demographic, I've, I've noticed um, with many, many competitions, if not all of them, the, it, and this has kind of changed, but it's always been heavily male populated judging panels. Uh -huh. I would say, you know, some of these pictures you see with all the judges, you see maybe 25 male judges and two female judges, if that. Um, and we, we purposely show that, hey, we've got a, about a 50-50 demographic because again, your customers are 50-50 demographic. You're, you're, you're going after that market. Why, why have just an all-male judging panel? And we show that in the, in the statistics. And I've noticed since we've been publishing that and really showcasing that on our website, it has been curving um, to, to some of the other competitions. I'm noticing their pictures with their group of judges have more females than they did two, three years ago. I love your... Um, attention to the data points and really calling that information and sort of like the kaleidoscope keep turning 
and finding different directions and different niches. I love that comprehensive approach and certainly the transparency. Um, the integrity of the process is paramount. Absolutely. No, that's, that's, that's always been important to us because all, all we're doing is since inception is, or I, I've been focusing on if I was a brand, which I had a brand, what would I want to see? What are these companies or these competitions kind of lacking or what are they not providing? Or yeah. what am I uncomfortable about? Why wouldn't I want to submit my product uh, to be reviewed? And you look at that and you go, well, let me make a list. And, and that's all we're doing. We're, we're, we're really kind of keeping an open mind of forgetting about the status quo and understanding what our customers, both consumers and the brands really appreciate and really want at the end of the day. They may not want all the glitz and glamor. They may want specifically some things that have never been provided to them. And we want to provide that. I think that kind of innovative thinking really benefits and honors both the consumer and the producer. So congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. In your observations, is, you know, I don't want to date you age-wise, but I'm assuming you're kind of close to the millennium crowd, right? Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I'm 37. Okay. <laughs> so I'm really interested in your thoughts about um, loosely this age demographic. And I don't want to focus strictly on the millennials, but younger demographic and how they're drinking, why, what. A lot of brands are chasing, and justly so, that's the economic power, essentially, as the population ages and people that are buying, especially pricey spirits, um, are diminishing. But from everything I'm reading, that particular group, and I mean it very broadly, I'm throwing Gen Z in there as well, just for good measure, and Gen Xs, they're drinking very differently. They're not really about the voice of authority. They're not really about the corporate kind of mentality. They're not about vanity. Um, they're more about discovery. Is that not true? Yeah, absolutely. I think in, it, it's, it, you take any demographic, um, you take most of our statistics that we're uh, extrapolating from each of the judges, and there's always some sort of correlation in some degree. Um, not in everything, like we take uh, uh, professions and we don't see much of a correlation there, whether if you're in real estate, you're going to, you're going to favor this particular product or this category, but in a lot of it is, and, and, it, um, and it's, it's, it's just kind of determining what to, what to put into the, the stats and the results. One, one great thing about doing the kit form, right and kind of having a more of a longer drawn out uh, competition where we're getting results kind of continually uh, coming in, we can, we can work on really fine tuning those numbers a little bit more and, and working those stats as much as possible to determine if there's any additional um, correlations that we're missing. I think that's very smart and um, just in general, 
as far as you know, friends and people that you, I'm assuming you drink, I can't imagine that you don't partake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually during this whole quarantine, I, I didn't drink at all. Um, the, the entire quarantine from the time it started to the time it ended. Um, because I'm, a, I'm, I'm personally a, a social drinker. I'm not the type of person, I barely drink water as it is. <laughs> if, if I don't remember, I just don't. Um, so I, I'm not the type of person that just drinks because I've got a drink. I, I, I'm drinking because others are drinking and I'm, I'm part of that social setting. Um, but one thing I'll, I'll tell you is initially when I first started um, SIP Awards and we had a few, uh, few brands in, I decided, hey, you know, when I go to a bar or when I go get a product, I will only order a product that's won a SIP Awards. Um, and what that did was it encouraged me. I mean, there's motivations of having more brands come in, more revenue, et cetera. But the motivation for me was like, I wanted to get my favorite brands in there um, because I wanted to drink their, their product. So I wouldn't drink anything for like uh, a few years unless like even uh, to someone's house or, or a, a bar or a grocery store, unless they've won a SIP awards, um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't interested. So I purposely like marketed, I put more money in marketing to, so I can have a broader range of spirits that I can drink when I go on on dates and I'm not like, Oh, you guys don't have anything sticking in water. Um, and, and, uh, that's worked. And now I've got so many brands to choose from. Luckily I don't have that problem anymore. Your cause. I love it. Um, so who's your spirit animal? I should say what? Is it tequila, rum, he had to choose one. If, if uh, I, I was drinking it uh, kind of neat, I would say whiskey is, is, you know, that's super trendy, but whiskey's got some flavor, it got some, um, you know, it's got some character to it. And, and I'm not, in, I, I don't claim to be an expert when it comes to tasting myself. I've actually, believe it or not, I've never been a SIP Awards judge. I've n I have not had the honor. Um, hopefully, eventually, when, when maybe during this kit thing, uh, this kit experience at home, I think I'll, I'll, this is going to be the first year I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be a judge. So I don't know. You're busy putting together the infrastructure. What is the reason? Well, it's it's there's just so much going on, um, and. I, I'd rather give that opportunity to, to an actual consumer. I felt like that's, that's in a way, I've always thought that that's kind of going against the SIP Awards world, right? Or the, the mantra of, of keeping, yeah, keeping, keeping everything separated um, uh, and, and the results completely separate from the industry. And in a way I'm kind of related to the industry. So it's, it's, and, you know, I'd rather give that opportunity to, to someone else because, again, we have a, a predefined um, amount of, of tables. I'd rather, you know, use, use the time to educate others and find out how we can improve the competition year over year. And it's, it's I mean, if, you, if, if you've had the uh, privilege of being at one of these events, it's just, it's just once it starts, it's, it's a continuous kind of, flowing of spirits everybody's targeting um dialed in going through product 
Um, there's, there isn't a lot of time where I could just take a break and just jump into tasting. I want to make sure the people that are judging are really focused on just judging. There's a lot that goes into orchestrating those events. Again, oh, man. are a must. It's crazy. And it's crazy because I think we're one of the only competitions that do that much spirit in one day. Um, you know, last year was our biggest year. Uh, every year is our biggest year, but last year we had over 900 products all poured for about a hundred, I want to say about 130 judges. If you do the math, that's over four or 5,000 pours that had to happen in a three to four, four hour period of time. I mean, uh, because, yeah. yeah. You must have quite a few. Volunteer. Oh yeah, I mean we have a, a huge team during the event. During the event, we have uh, essentially an orchestra. Um, people, it, it's it's a whole process, right? You, we have products going out at the same time, products being pour, uh, poured, products coming back. Um, everything has to be kind of a clock, a moving clock, continuously going. Product or. Uh, glasses being washed because we don't have, you know, 6,000 uh, glasses. They're being uh, washed, they're being dried, they're being cooled down, they're going through the same cycle. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's more work than any, any brand or judge probably is aware of. Um, and we do that all in one day where a lot of the competitions are done through a span of three or four days. But that's why I'm kind of excited about this uh, this kit concept of bringing it back at home. This does create more work for us at the end of the day because we're pouring more uh, items in a or product in a in a vial and doing it safely. Uh, but we're we're able to span it across you know a, a week time rather than doing it all in one day, which is which is tough. And each has you said a QR code that's unique to that, and then that's how you're going to call the data based upon that, right? Yeah. So each each box they get they get basically a, a judge box uh, or kit box. Um, it's got the SIP Awards branding on it. It'll actually have their name on it, the judge's name on it, to because a lot of these kits are also going into. Um, uh, you know, homes that may host a six person party um, or a couple individuals that want to bring their friends involved or just a couple, right? A, a, a husband and wife that want to go through the experience. So we want to make sure we're marking it and they're actually going through the, the particular products that they were assigned to. And then each vial is labeled with an ID, which is a, a number that only our system, our backend system will know what, what distillery, what product it's tied to. Uh, and then it also shows them the subcategory, whether it's a uh, tequila extra Añejo or just a tequila Añejo. And then, oh, to get to the experience, there is a QR code. You scan it once and then it brings up the judge form online, which you can fill out quickly after you filled out the form. So it sounds very efficient, of course. That's one of the hallmarks uh, to, to run the physical competition that you described 
obviously takes a lot of, of skill and intentionality and just translated it onto something that, you know, is going to be mailed and people are going to actually be able to do it, like I said, in their own home. It sounds very exciting. It sounds like a great concept. So I hope it sticks. Um, if the producers are listening that are considering submitting to your competition, what are the logistics? Yeah, we, we have a very short period of availability uh, for them to submit. It's going to be, I believe, the first the last uh, the first week of uh, July is really our cutoff deadline. So they still have a little bit of time, but obviously, the sooner the better. The sooner they can contact us on our website um, and submit a form, or at least contact us and let us know that the product's on its way, we can kind of work that angle out. Um, on one other note, we don't only accept spirits, we actually also uh, evaluate mixers as well. Uh, so these are everything from carbonated to flavored waters, uh, anything that could potentially be coupled up with a spirit. Um, and that's been, you know, going back, that's actually been a huge growing category. Uh, and you can imagine there's a ton of mixers out there, anything that's non-alcoholic, um, we're, 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 uh, we're allowing in to the competition in its given categories. Uh, and then as far as judges, if there are judges that are interested in entering, they can also submit through our website. We can give them a website where they can learn more about what it takes to be a judge, as well as, um, uh, information about how to, uh, register and participate and take that survey. Very cool. So they have a little bit of time left to enter. How many bottles do you require to be sent in? Yeah, so we take two bottles for um, spirits or mixers, and that's just in case one breaks, uh, we have a spare. And we take an additional bottle if they're looking to enter into the design competition. Okay, understood. Do you have any plans to start a wine competition perhaps? Yeah, so I've always wanted to do a wine competition and even a beer competition. Um, it's just, a, as you, you're aware, it's a totally different animal, right? Totally different industry, uh, different budgets, different tasting profiles, different type of judges, um, all sorts of, you gotta market to a whole new group of individuals and companies. Uh, so, so that, has always been on the interest list, uh, but we have not yet done it. We may, um, I don't know how it would work with the kit form because you know, you, you gotta get that out. You gotta get it aired. Uh, you gotta, um, you know, the, the, the air wine has to kind of, you don't wanna, you don't wanna, uh, I guess, sit around too long either. Wine has a little bit of a different qualities than spirits. So you want to keep that in mind. It's a little bit more sensitive, I would imagine. Um, so yeah, we, we, we have the interest. We just want to make sure we're, do, we're executing the right way when it comes to wine or any other uh, product. Well, if anybody can figure out, I'm guessing that you will. We've learned a lot in this conversation about your ingenuity and innovative spirit and attention to detail, all the qualities that are required for such a venture. So I look forward to that. I have a feeling that might be happening because the moment a challenge appears, you rise to it every time. 
Absolutely. No, I, I, I would love to do that. And I think I think there would be a whole new demographic of consumers that would just, you know, taste wine, but not spirits. So that's that's in the roadmap. You know, it, it appears to me, again, from all the reading that I'm doing, is that the light of beverages is where the younger demographic is gravitating towards, you know, cocktails that are lower in alcohol, that are more flavorful, lighter not necessarily heavy spirits. So I don't know if that's a separate category uh, that, you know, as a result would emerge as something that's a powerhouse um, or it's already happening. If, if what's a separate category? The cocktails, you know, canned cocktails that, you know, that space has been growing by leaps and bounds, especially recently, the younger consumers prefer lighter alcohol beverages. I mean, Let's face it, White Claw is poised yeah. to be $1.5 billion um, adventure. You know, it's growing. I think it eclipsed everything. Yeah, absolutely. We, we um, So that's in, in our, I, I don't know about specifically White Claw, but um, we have a pre-mixed category. We've got a hard, um, hard cider category. Um, uh, hard water category like we've we've got we've got a few different um, set subsections of that pre-mixed flavored alcohol categories as well and has that grown a lot for you I would say it's 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 been a gradual growth um, I feel like a lot some of these com, com, uh, companies may not be fully aware that competitions can take in their spirits because again like kind of like what you thought or even mixer brands think that this is only um, you know the core spirit 40 uh, proof plus uh, type of categories uh, but we, we are seeing some growth and what happens is when a few brands submit and then they they win an award and they start marketing What's great is their competition sees that. They're like, hey, we should do better than them. Let's make sure we enter. So it's great because you know we're, we're in a position where we're one of the fortunate companies that actually have our army of our uh, brands actually kind of create that awareness. Yeah, they become ambassadors in a sense. Absolutely. Have you noticed anything that's notably missing in, in general? In, the space that you operate, you know, on the competition side. Has there been anything in your observations that just, you know, everybody's missing, you know, in terms of the actual product, the marketing of the product, the consumer education, like any gaps? I, I think every brand is a little different. I, I don't know if there's anything that everybody's missing. Um, and we, we, we try and work with especially with smaller brands to help them market their product or market their award as much as possible. Because at the end of the day, if you win a gold medal from us or a platinum medal from us, it's not going to do anything really for your brand. You know, I'm not going to say it's going to boost sales right away. Uh, it's just not, no, no competition in the world will do that. It's, it's a tool or some ammunition your brand has now to market and position itself as a brand leader in its category. Right. And it's, it's, it's critical. It's kind of like winning 
a silver medal in the in the Olympics for the you know whatever category you want to think of, you, you'll get a little bit of a spotlight, but that's it. Then it's about the PR. It's about that person's communication with the world. It's about their social media. If if they're if they're just taking that medal and putting it in a cabinet somewhere, that's no one's gonna know. You know, you'll meet new people and they're never gonna know. So it's about talking about it. It's about uh, brand awareness, uh, using social media. I think a lot of these smaller brands are not fully utilizing social media as effectively as some of the bigger brands. And there's big, big opportunities there, especially with uh, winning an award. And what we like to do there is actually give them pre-built content that has their award on there, their, their brand on there, their product on there, that they can literally just click submit and it goes into social media. Um, and hopefully they get some recognition out of it. So we try and make the you know, go above and beyond what a comp a typical competition is supposed to do and just provide, hey, here, you won this, good luck. Uh, we, we really try and provide some additional value for these brands so that way they're, they, they know what the next steps are. Um, and we try and reduce that learning curve as much as possible because some of them don't have that full experience. They don't have a marketing team. They don't have a uh, a designer, an animator, a video editor, videographer, etc. Um, how much is the entry fee typically into the competition? Yeah, depending on when they enter it for spirits, it's anywhere from about 475 to 550. Uh, for the design competition, it's uh, about anywhere from 150 to 200 again when they've entered. Uh, early early birds get a little bit of a break and then for mixers i believe i believe it's around 450 give or take that's a little bit lower just because of their budgetary restrictions compared to some of the spirits um so it, it, it is it is uh it is what we do a little bit differently in regards to the um the entry fee they're not only winning an award we do give them the full licensing of that award and to be able to use our branding, which is really important, which if you, and big brands probably are aware of this, some of the other competitions, um, some that are based in San Francisco, they, uh, they, uh, they, once you win an award to publicize and use that award, they require you to pay an additional $200 licensing, mm -hmm. which, kind of defeats the whole purpose. It's like, good, you won this. Do you really want it? I'll give it to you for $200. And, and um, we don't do that. We, we, we basically allow them to roll that licensing over year over year, provided that they've entered. Um, and then we offer a perpetuity license agreement if they want to purchase that. So we try and give back to every brand that's actually won an award give them the opportunity to market it as much as possible. We actually encourage them, you know, we send out, because again, brands are busy, every business owner is busy. So we're sending out emails saying, hey, we, we actually have staff that's calling brands and saying, hey, you won this three months ago, why isn't it not on your website? Why, wh what event have you done? And, and brands generally, 99.9% .9 of them are like, Thank you. We, you know, I don't know. We should put it on our website. I don't, 
I don't, and, and the awards they have on their website are from 2012, right? It's like, guys, and, and they feel like we're not, we're not just a competition that's just trying to collect an entry fee and give them an award. We're actually a partner. We want them to succeed because if they go under, we're not going to see them next year. If they succeed and they come out with a new product, we'll get more product out of it, right? Um, it's just the more we help brands succeed and uh, thrive in whatever the market bears, the, the more successful we'll be at the end of the day. And that's kind of a, um, a, a mantra I believe in that you help your partners out and whether they like it or not, they're going to help you out as they grow, as long as you're a partner with them. Right. And, and they see that and they see that value that you're, you're taking ownership in their company when there isn't a requirement of any kind. I have to tell you, I absolutely love this tight lifts all growth mentality. I think that's so incredibly healthy and smart. Um, just listening to you describe all the value that you provide for this few hundred dollars. I mean, honestly, the, the level of detail and vetting of judges alone is such an important piece of it all. Organizational piece, but then the post care, you know, support that you provide businesses that partner up with you, I think is unprecedented. And um, in addition to communication business, uh, I have, you know, marketing and branding background. I feel very strongly about those things. So to me, it's absolutely crucial. And there's a lot of missed opportunity because of the bandwidth issues with small business and you to even point them out and say, hey, it's, it's yours, you need to work it. You know, just winning something doesn't mean that it's gonna elevate your brand or generate sales. You need to take ownership of the win. Just merely pointing it out, I think is already a huge value. Absolutely, yes. I totally agree. And I'm, I'm seeing some, what, what some of these smaller companies can do with even a bronze medal uh, compared to a platinum or best of class winner that just literally in, 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 in the, the simplest form, they put it in their drawer and they never talk about it. The, the value that bronze medal gets for that brand is, is tenfold. Um, just because they're going and talking about it and they're proud of it and they're pushing it um, as if, you know, everyone should know and they should be shouting at the top of the, uh, of the mountain. And I think every brand, regardless of the medal they win, they need to be doing that consistently. And you have now a free way of doing that with social media. There's no excuse. I love it. You've launched two highly successful businesses. If you were to assign a rough percentage to the product participation and marketing branding participation, are they equally important? Is it 50-50 or is there a different equation? How do you see that? The product participation and the marketing, as far as our company or others? Like, what is your view of product itself? Let's just say it's a stellar product with no marketing, a stellar product with excellent marketing. The final success, what does it hinge on? If you, if you were to like attach a little bit of math to it and say, if you have a fantastic product, that's 50% of the game. I think uh, they're, they're fairly equally important, but when it comes to my 
my if I had to give one a little bit more weight than the other, the marketing aspect of it is is slightly more, if if not a lot more, wow. uh, because because when it comes to and, and you're seeing that you're seeing the best products in the world in regards to sales numbers, right? Those are the ones that are doing an exceptional job in marketing. Uh, and and you may you may come across a product that's just amazing, right? And you probably so, uh, occasionally do, whether it's a spirit or um, a, a, a technology piece or a piece of or, or an article of clothing, you'll come across it, and you've never encountered it, and you think it's the much better than all the other uh, all the other products that you've uh, experienced. And it's mainly because their marketing, their marketing isn't out there. They're not, they're not showing it off to the, to the masses. So even if you have, and I would give this comparison, it's like you have the cure for cancer, but if no one knows about it, how effective is that? You know, um, you need that the, to be successful as a, as an entrepreneur or a business owner, you need to be investing in your marketing and your sales just as much, or if not much more for your particular product. And every category is a little bit different, but I, I strongly believe that because if you're not talking about it at the end of the day, no one's going to know how great your product is. It could be literally tenfold compared to the next product out there, but it, it's not, no one's going to buy it. That makes a ton of sense. Um, so personally, what are you looking forward to the most? I want to see how this, uh, this kit, uh, experience is going to go. Um, this is again, after 12 years, I don't know, uh, exactly. This is almost like starting a, a whole new business in a sense, right? We're, we're totally turning, uh, everything upside down and, and trying to do this, uh, virtual experience. Um, as well as I, I, Obviously, COVID has a lot of unknowns right now when it comes to business, when it comes to daily life, when this vaccine is going to be available. So those are on my list of things I'd love to know. Obviously, if I knew those answers, I'd be uh, in a good position to invest in the market. Even, the, even that's been crazy right now. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Craziness all around, but amongst it all, we have space and bandwidth to have good conversation and really find some insight and some meeting and really some true happiness and joy. I think yeah. the single most um, positive thing that came out of COVID for me is that all of a sudden you have time and space that's been artificially created to, you know, do a little introspection, but also do a little bonding with people that you were just moving past because you were so busy doing other things. Absolutely. COVID has definitely changed everyone's life to some degree. And I think it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's a great unknown. And there are people that are trying to figure it out on a day to day basis. But there are a lot of, there's a lot of pieces in your life, or avenues in your life that you can control. And those are the items that I, I'm, I'm focused in on, right? I couldn't control that my one of my businesses was essentially 
I can't do an event more than 10 people, right? I, I had no control over um, sending a letter to the, let alone sending a letter to the governor and telling them to, to stop or to, to take that off the table. It's also people won't show up. So I can't control everything. I can't control the weather. I can't control the economy. I can't control this COVID crisis, but there are a lot of avenues and there are a lot of little incremental changes or huge dramatic changes that you have to make um, to survive and, and to potentially thrive. And I think the, the best, the best uh, innovations happen when there's adversary to, uh, to, to the, to the conditions you're involved in. You have to change or you, you sink. I think those are very wise words. A lot of things to think about and digest and chew on. I think you've given us so much value in this conversation. I really appreciate you telling your personal story, which is so compelling and so inspirational and your business story. I very much look forward to watching this competition. I'm sure it's gonna grow. Uh, and maybe even expand into other categories. I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you very much. Thank you. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure being on this. Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Palette Exposure featuring Alona Thompson. We'll see you again next week.